T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's D.A. All right. Welcome inside the freshest edition of the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. This is the show within the show. This is content you're not going to get on the air. And that's why we do this, because we love you, and we want to give you bonus content. And there's multiple ways of which you can get the Permission Granted podcast. It used to be only available on our uh, normal show feed. It is still available there on iTunes. Still going to be on our website, daoncbs.com. Click on the audio tab. It's still going to be on Facebook, fear not. However... We are adding it to its own iTunes feed, so it's much easier to find an iTunes. Subscribe to the DA Show. Just search the DA Show CBS Sports and then find Permission Granted. Just search that in iTunes. Subscribe for that for free, and you'll just get the lineup of all the podcasts about the show that maybe you haven't heard yet. So uh, check that out. That is very cool. It's got its own little icon, the four of us on the show doing something stupid in front of a wall here in the studio, so that's exciting. So uh, check that out, all right? How about our guest? As the Oscars are now just a couple of weeks away, February 28th, the Academy Awards nominees are obviously out. Let's break it down. Kyle Buchanan writes for New York Magazine, senior editor there, and Oscar Pundit, and he joins us here on the show. Kyle, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, D.A. Anytime, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's look at the best picture here, because these are usually the films that people have seen or would like to see or are going to target seeing. Out of the best picture nominees, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight, is there a film out there that you think got dissed that should have been in the best picture nominations? There is, and it kind of surprised me that it didn't find favor, and that would be Creed. I thought Creed was pretty phenomenal, and that's a movie that had, you know, an incredible uphill battle, uh, resurrecting this franchise, building it around Michael B. Jordan, and delivering this amazing Professor Stallone performance that thankfully was nominated. But you know, D.A., I was talking to so many guys who came out of that bawling, and I thought all those man tears would be worth something, you know, <laughs> that it would be... One of those uh, sort of rare emotional smashes with men that would have the Academy voting for it. So I was surprised that that got left out in the cold. I think the Academy decided that it was a good movie. It just wasn't an Oscar movie. Some people felt like it was just too direct a ripoff of of the original Rocky. Did you feel like it was kind of independent and creative enough to separate itself? I did, you know, and I kind of felt the same way about Mad Max Fury Road, which is another sort of series resurrection that found a new lease on life, brought in new characters, new actors, and made something really phenomenal 
by resurrecting this, you know, sort of long thought dormant franchise. I'm so psyched that that made it not only to the best picture race, but into the best director race. Movies like that, crazy, uh, visually spectacular action movies are not the sort of films that the Academy usually goes for. So that was a nice surprise. I thought Spotlight was one of the best movies I've seen, one of the best films I've seen in probably 10 years. I don't know if it'll win Best Picture, but, man, everybody's performance was amazing. And I think it was pretty impactful to kind of go back over how journalism has changed so much over the last 20 years and how the newspaper industry used to be this incredible watchdog, and now it's kind of not so much. What did you think of, of Spotlight and its impact on modern culture? I thought it was terrific. Uh, I really do. I agree with you. I think that and Mad Max are, are two of my favorites of last year, so I'm glad to see them represented in the race. And you're exactly right about that ensemble cast. I mean, down to the very smallest roles, uh, you know, the, these victims who appear on screen just for a little while to tell their story. It's impeccably cast. And I think that there's been a little head-scratching from some people I talked to, not that Mark Ruffalo was nominated Best Supporting Actor, but that Rachel McAdams was nominated as Best Supporting Actress for a role that isn't your usual usual sort of showy, uh, speechifying Oscar role, but I think it's an indication of just how much the Academy liked that movie and that, that cast that they could call up even somebody like Rachel McAdams off the deep bench of actors in that film. What'd you think about The Revenant? Because there are some that thought it was too tedious, too long, um, that it was, uh, you know, just it didn't have enough for the length of time that it was. I think it was over two and a half hours, right? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, listen, The Revenant is one of a kind. I'll put it that way. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a movie quite like it. Uh, definitely not. I, I haven't seen a movie that looked like that. And I think that Emmanuel Lubezki, who shot that movie and who won the cinematography Oscar the last two years, is due for a three-peat, uh, which has never happened before. Uh, but yeah, The Revenant is coming on very strong here at the end of Oscar season. Uh, it won a Golden Globe. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, who directed the film, won a DGA prize. And it'll be interesting to see if it can go all the way and win Best Picture. That would make Iñárritu the very first man who's ever directed two back-to-back Best Picture winners, because last year he delivered Birdman. So that would be a little bit of Oscar history. Kyle Buchanan, senior editor, New York Magazine, Oscar pundit for them as well, joining us here on the show. I do want to tell you that I really appreciate you tweeting out a picture of Annie Potts because uh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> because I was just watching Ghostbusters 2 on IFC over the weekend, and you know what? It's It should be remembered how great Annie <laughs> Potts was as an 80s hottie. You know, any excuse to tweet out a picture of Annie Potts, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, let's go to the actors in the, in the leading role. you got Matt Damon in The Martian, Leo in The Revenant. You have uh, Brian Cranston, who was awesome in Trumbo. Uh, what do you think? Who was the best performance you saw this year? Well, listen, I, I think that regardless of what was the best performance, the performance that's definitely going to win is Leonardo DiCaprio. Is it his best performance? I think it's up there. It's Kind of interesting because uh, because of what goes down in that movie, Leo really takes a beating. It's not a very verbal performance. And when we think of Leo, we think of, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street. We think of these sort of flurries of monologues and these sort of great sort of look-at-me moments. This isn't that. It's a lot more internal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he triumphs for a role that, that's sort of out of his uh, movie star comfort zone. I think that might be exactly the reason why. 
the Academy wants to award him, in addition to the fact that there's just this narrative that he's due, that he's contended for an Oscar for a long time, and this is his moment to finally get it. So do you think that it's a foregone conclusion that Leo definitely gets this award? It kind of seems that way. And I, I was talking to Brian Cranston about it a few weeks ago, and he's like, <laughs> I was asking him if he had a speech prepared, and he's like, you should always have a speech prepared. Never think that you don't have a shot, because if you're nominated, you've got a shot. But let's be real, the frontrunner is definitely Leo. <laughs> it's interesting to think of Leo DiCaprio uh, and his days as a, an 80s sitcom kid growing yeah. up and becoming a, a an Oscar winner alongside Matt Damon, who I think when you s- first saw him, even in Goodwill Hunting, who could have thought that their careers would kind of arc and project to a point where they're really taken extraordinarily seriously as real actors? Well, I mean, remember the Titanic era where Leo looked like he would perpetually be 18 years old? Yeah. Uh, you know, for a while there, he was trying to bite off maybe more than he could chew by appearing in these Martin Scorsese movies like The Aviator where he just didn't look old enough yet. That he surmounted. And in fact, now that Leo is in his 40s, he just turned 40 uh, last year, he's now in a phase where the Academy likes its leading actors. Uh, men in their 40s tend to win Best Actor. It's a sort of a sweet spot. Uh, the same can't be said of the women, and I, I think we'll, we'll get there in a, in a moment. But yeah, definitely when it comes to actors, uh, the Academy likes them venerable, and when it comes to actresses, they like them under 40. That's a perfect segue because the actresses in the leading role, you have Kate Blanchett in Carol, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years. So is there some consternation amongst the, the actors and actresses that, uh, that the Academy does not want to reward or, or isn't rewarding uh, venerable actresses, as you mentioned, that are over the age of 40? Well, listen, it can happen. Uh, it happened last year. Julianne Moore finally won an Oscar, her first. We're still Alice. But uh, much more often, you'll find that women under 30 are Oscar's favorite type. Uh, in fact, I think the very last time a man who was 25 or under was nominated uh, was, gosh, almost a decade ago. I think it was uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for Brokeback Mountain. Whereas women who are 25 and under get nominated constantly. We've probably had about 15 since then, and including some winners like Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, she's nominated again this year for Joy, but I think the winner this year is almost certainly going to be Brie Larson for the Kidnap Drama Room. It's a well-deserved win, and it's, it's another indication of what Oscar likes to do, which is sort of codify an ingenue who's on the rise. My first inclination watching Joy was, oh, they just tried to get the same cast together and as, as Silver Linings Playbook. You have De Niro, you have yeah. Bradley Cooper, you have Jennifer Lawrence, and they're just trying to kind of go back to the well. And then I watched it, and I said, boy, this is actually a really good film. And I thought that Jennifer Lawrence brought um, kind of a couple of layers that I didn't know that she quite had. What was your thought watching, Joy? You know, I, I agree with you about Jennifer Lawrence, and I think that the Academy does too. Uh, she was the only nomination for that film, but it's a well-deserved one. Uh, in fact, I think uh, at the age that Jennifer Lawrence is at now, she's had four Oscar nominations, which is a record for any performer, man or woman. So she's sort of a Mer- young Meryl Streep in training as far as the Academy is concerned. I think she can do no wrong. Do we think that Star Wars will take home anything? It's nominated in sound editing, in sound mixing, and visual effects. Obviously, it's a monster-grossing film, and it feels like everybody and their mother went to go watch it. Will it take home an award because of that popularity coming up? 
You know, I have a feeling that the sound nominations might be out of reach. Uh, we've got a movie in there, The Revenant, that looks like it could win Best Picture. And when you have a Best Picture contender in the tech category, that often takes it. More to the point, you've got Mad Max, which is just incredibly mixed. Uh, and I think that that might prove a challenger for Star Wars. The more likely things that Star Wars can take home are Best Score for John Williams. And yeah, that Best Visual Effects uh, nomination. I'm curious to see. Visual Effects could also go to Mad Max. I think people really appreciated how real it looked. You know, that it felt like uh, director George Miller was actually staging those giant explosions and car crashes for real. There's been sort of a backlash to what's been considered the sort of CGI saturation of movies as of late. And it would be interesting to see if uh, Mad Max could prove some sort of David to Star Wars' special effects laid in Goliath. Finally, what would you make of the, the criticism surrounding this year's nominees that there was not enough um, diversity represented? I agree, and I'm sort of startled because I felt like there were actually uh, plenty of vehicles that the Academy could have drawn from. I thought Idris Elba and Beast of No Nation delivered a towering performance. Uh, I wonder if the fact that Netflix was the distributor on that might have given some Academy members pause. But in any uh, in any respect, I don't think that he should have been snubbed for it. I thought Benicio del Toro in Sicario was incredible. Uh, again, uh, everybody who was involved with Creed, whether that's Michael Jordan, Tessa Thompson, the actors, or Ryan Coogler, the amazingly talented director, I thought they were extremely worthy of recognition. So I'm heartened to see that the Academy is doing something about it, trying to diversify its ranks. But what I'd really like to see is for Hollywood to do more. You know, you notice that I named mostly actors of color, and they're really not doing enough for actresses of color. Just look at Lupita Nyong'o, who delivered such an incredible debut performance only a few years ago, winning the Oscar for her first movie, 12 Years a Slave. Hollywood has not really come through for her since then. They're not delivering the same sort of lead roles for her that they are for somebody like Jennifer Lawrence, and I think that's a shame. Mm. We need to see more accountability from the studios themselves so that the Academy has a wider uh, you know, pool of, of films to draw from. The Oscars are coming up on Sunday, February 28th. Kyle Buchanan is writing about it for New York Magazine, senior editor there. So follow him on Twitter for the latest. That's at Kyle Buchanan. Kyle, man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for dropping on by. We'll have to do it again. Anytime. All right, Moraz joins me now for the Permission Granted podcast Side B. Or I guess he does the Side B. This is the crossover. Is that official now, Moraz? Yes, uh, that should have been official about 50 episodes ago. I but see. It, yeah, we'll just go with it. We call this the crossover. We close out with a Side B. I see. Who you got coming up on Side B? Uh, we're going to have James Ward via phone. As again, we try to work in his problem on Festivus here as I try to include him a little more. So we're going to get Ward on the horn. And we'll figure out exactly what we're going to chit-chat about. Do you feel as though when he is on the phone, it's not as effective as when you have somebody in studio? I mean, yeah, I, I think when somebody's in studio like Joe, it's more of a natural conversation right. where I can look into their eyes. Of course, that's natural, but I think... Gaze me, into their eyes. Right, me and Ward know each other enough where it's really not an interview, where I, you know, it comes across a little better than normal phone would. Right. Over the weekend, I headed down to Baltimore for the long weekend. It wasn't really a long weekend, but it felt like a long weekend because I had not not worked a Sunday since August. Right. The Sunday morning show. You so, were doing a six-day-a-week work week. That's right. Yeah, grinding, baby, grinding. So we finally got away. My girlfriend and I went down to Baltimore in the D.C. area, got to take in little Maryland hoops, Maryland-Wisconsin on Saturday. 
And then on Sunday on my way back, I I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a huge crab guy. Huge, huge, huge. Crab is one of my favorite foods. Well, if I didn't know that, I got an understanding of that at Fisherman's Wharf where, like, you were on a mission after I had the ice cream sundae to make sure you found anything crab-related. Right, and we had the crab chowder and the bread bowl. Which was delicious. But in Maryland, you just get tons of crabs spilled on your plate. Right, which shocks me because being from New York, Maryland's not that far a drive. I've been to Baltimore several times, and you hadn't been there around that area until... Now, this weekend, right? I passed through, but never really spent any time. I've never gone to Camden Yards. I've never gone to a Ravens game. And that's a real bad job by me, knowing that the crabs are that close. Yeah. So, I just had a dozen crabs and a pound of shrimp and a ton of oysters just served right up. And I just took that mallet and just went to work. Spent about two hours there. Had a few had a few natty bows. You got to do that, yes. Love the natty bow. They do a lot of good beers in Baltimore that aren't like your normal Bud Light, Coors Light, anything like that. You'd be surprised. Baltimore has a lot of these micro, uh, they call them, I'm going to call it microfracture surgery, microfracture breweries. Micro brews. Micro brews, micro right. Micro fracture beers. Find, and the Bows is one of them. You get a lot of those out there. But I feel like the Bow, which is National Bohemian. Yes. I feel like the Bow is just a really cheap beer that's local. And it's not even a really a craft beer or a microbrew. No, but they portray it as so down there because it's, it's like, local. Okay, so it's kind of like what Boston does with Narragansett. Narragansett, by trade, is a pretty cheap beer, but because it's local, it's kind of unique and retro. Long Island does that with Blue Point as well. Yeah, but Blue Point's not usually cheap. It's cheaper on Long Island. I, I mean, it? I've gotten Blue Point in Florida where it's like $3 more expensive. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, Natty, yeah, really, really breaking down beer prices and what's local and what's not. Let me tell you, a dozen crabs and a pitcher of Natty Bow, and I am basically on cloud nine. Out of everything I did for Valentine's Day weekend, everything that, all good things, I have to admit, that was my favorite thing. Okay, now I have two questions to go along with that. Uh, was your girlfriend, is she into the seafood too? Because yeah. remember, this is Valentine's Day. You should be taking care of her. Yes, she was. she's a big seafood fan. So okay. she's not going to sit there and do a dozen crabs like I am, but she has well, no naturally. problem. No problem. She loves seafood. She loves oysters. She loves shrimp and everything like that. So I'm just making sure you're not dragging her to a place where she's like, I'll have the one token burger on the menu, that kind of deal. No, no. She's a big seafood fan, so that was good. Number two on that note is I know a lot of people have – this is where they have a problem with what you're eating there. Okay. As much as it's delicious, and it I and I love the deliciousness of it. Yes. Are you okay with putting in the work and having the mess of juices flying everywhere and hammering down on crabs? A lot of people have a problem with that. Yes. I am a crustacean fiend. <laughs> Oh, sorry. What is going on over there? <laughs> I just I just pictured isolating crustacean feet. <laughs> no, really, whether it's lobster, whether it's crab, you you name it, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. And so I I, I could just sit there for hours, hours upon hours and it it takes some patience. It's something that not a lot of people want to go through the hassle of. Of course, and you can't be lazy with it either because there's so many, there's so much meat in all the nooks and crannies of that yes. shell. Oh, yeah. You better get your money's worth with that little fork. No doubt, no doubt. I think, I think my passion for crustaceans was born at an early age. My mom used to make crab sauce. Oh, so it was, wow. Yeah, over linguine, she would put the full crabs in there, and so that you just... It's incredible. That's delicious. Yeah, now that gets real messy. I of mean, course. imagine digging your hands into these crabs and they've got sauce on them. 
And then we would take road trips like on vacation to Maine and go to one of those roadside stops and get like a lobster. So I was always, always in. But I'm a huge seafood fan. You were raised in crustaceans pretty much. Yes. And, I mean, fried calamari, I mean, I'm all in at every single spot. I'm seafood. How can you not be? Yeah. It's just the most delicious thing ever. I had a little fried calamari this weekend as well. Very good. Very. I, you have to do it. I heard that for Valentine's Day, you took your uh, wife to a very romantic spot where you were able to uh, to bum pizza slices off <laughs> unsuspecting uh, patrons. Yes, there's a new Italian restaurant, uh, not an Olive Garden, as you know, in the neighborhood. We look forward to those little Caesars openings or anything like you that. You love the OG. Uh, this place, uh, I'll give it the pub, was named Baccaro, and it was very good. It okay. was in uh, Massapequa, Long Island. And we went actually on a double date with another couple that's getting married that my wife happened to set up. Okay. So we had a good time. We went out for some drinks. But yeah, we had, uh, well, the other couple actually made the reservation for us. It was an 8.30 p.m. reservation. Mm. And we got there after having drinks about 8.15 but the place was obviously packed Saturday night before Valentine's Day, Italian restaurant, the whole deal. So it was like the old Seinfeld. You know how to take the reservation. You don't know how to hold the reservation. Anybody can take the reservation. Right. So it was going to be a little while after 8.30 before we got seated, which is a little bit of late dinner, but, you know, I make do. Yeah. Uh, I went back to San Francisco time on that, if you will. Right. So uh, while waiting, there was two women sitting uh, at the corner position of the bar, and they had live music going on. Everybody's And they had a bunch of people just hanging out at the bar. And I turned to my wife and the other couple we were with us. I said, look, they have a pizza there. Basically, one slice has been taken off. And they had spinach dip and the mozzarellas. You could tell they had a whole smorgasbord they'd ordered for themselves as they were sitting there having drinks. Uh-huh. I said, I told them, I said, I'm going to get a slice of pizza. And they're like, don't do that. You know, you're going to embarrass us. Don't do that. But it's not like a real slice of pizza. No, no, no. Right? It it's... was like uh, like pizza, like bar pizza. You get your own personal pizza. Personal pizza. Yeah, I mean, it was flat, still a good size. Flat but it, crust. Right. It wasn't like a humongous slice, but it was it was big enough. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I told them that they're like, don't, don't even go over there. And I wasn't listening. I was on a mission. And to be honest, I had a couple cocktails in me, so I really wasn't worried about it. Okay. So I played my charm up a little bit. I went uh-huh. over to them and I, I said, oh, ladies having a good evening. I go, I got to ask you before we sit down and order, how's the pizza? Uh-huh. That was a key to them. You okay. know what I mean? I'm, I'm asking them how's the pizza as if I really care about ordering a pizza. When now they're land. sitting at the bar and you're going up kind of like you're going to order a drink. Right, exactly. And I'm just kind of like acting like I'm just noticing what they have in front of them, trying to make small talk. Got it. They turn around, they go, it's delicious. You have to have a slice. Just like that. It wasn't even like I had the prod. I was going to lead with another question, like, can I try it? Didn't have to. Do you think if you were a skinny guy, they would have offered it up so quickly? Oh, now hold on. You think it's because I'm heavyset? I'm just wondering. I'm going to be honest with you. These women were no twigs themselves. (laughs) Well, I just wonder, you see a heavyset guy come over and say, how's the pizza? And maybe they know you'd really appreciate it if it's good pizza. If you're rail thin and you're like, how's the pizza? Maybe they're like, it's good. It's really good. You should try it. So you think there's a fat bias that they look at a heavy set person and go, I'm more prone to give this to them. I don't think that was the case. I think they were in a good mood. They were honestly full. And I think they saw me as no threat whatsoever as far as being, like, uh, intrusive. I think they looked at me and said, oh, this guy's a fun guy. He's asking me, let's let him try it. But you hadn't shown that you were a fun guy outside of how's the pizza. Well, if they observed I was holding court with the foursome we had and I was making jokes, I was clearly the funny one in the group. Oh, so the whole foursome had moved over to where you were. Exactly. Oh, Exactly. Okay. So it was all in that area. So, yeah, I don't think it was anything like that, but they, they surely gave me the pizza, and then after I said, this is delicious, they ended up handing me the whole metal tray of the last four slices, and I handed them out to our group. I gave it to my wife, the other couple, and there they was one extra slice. four slices. Yeah, and I even put the extra slice in my pocket. I did that. I put it in my winter coat pocket. What does that mean? 
that means when I was sat down at the table later, I pulled the slice out of my pocket and had it again. You put a slice of pizza in your pocket. In my North Face jacket pocket. And the only reason I did that is because I didn't want to just hold the tray with oh one pizza. My God. What do you mean? Well, did, did cheese and grease get everywhere? A little bit. I had to wash the jacket. It wasn't that big a deal, though. You put a slice of pizza in your jacket. But I wasn't going to hold it on the metal, the metal thing. I was, it was just easy. It was in my pocket. They seemed to think that was very funny when I put it in my pocket. But again, mind you, I wasn't, I wasn't drunk. I know I should be sitting in this pocket. So I had a couple drinks in me. I was feeling good. I didn't. It was. I was in a mood. I was like, ah, whatever. I'm going to put it in my pocket. I know. Have you ever carried any other foods like that had sauce and cheese? No, and usually grease on usually, them in a pocket. Usually just like candy bars and stuff, but nothing like open like right, that. Right. Something in a wrapper. Right. Yeah. No. But I didn't. I didn't care. So it worked out. Well, what Danielle think about you putting the pizza in the pocket? Uh, her quote when we woke up Sunday morning was, you know, usually I'd be mad at you for doing that kind of thing, but I found it so funny I didn't care. Wow. So I, I made out like a bandit there. And the okay. pizza, was, pizza was very good. Was it? It was actually very good. And settled. And then uh, we were saying because we had the pizza, we didn't have to order an appetizer, which ties this whole thing back together. We ended up ordering calamar anyway. So what did you end up eating for your dinner there? I got a chicken parmesan. A chicken parmesan. And With a so- uh, side rigatoni. And you had the two slices of pizza. And calamar. Yep. <laughs> and there was obviously bread on the table because it was an Italian restaurant. I got to feel like Italian restaurants have to be your kryptonite because oh, of boy. the unlimited bread. It's just going to kill you on a carb count. There's, And I'm a huge bread. I would rather have like the bread basket than the dessert. And I mean that seriously, and I do have a sweet tooth. I would rather be sitting there with the butter and the bread or the bread and the oil or you know any kind of focaccia any kind of garlic, not give me anything bread related on a table over a dessert. I'm I'm a sucker for it. What's your favorite bread? Yeah, I got to be honest. Uh, per restaurant or just a bread in general? Bread in general. If we had to make the bread power ranking, <laughs> what's the number one bread? It's probably a pumpernickel. Really? I like a pumpernickel. I never saw you coming with a pumpernickel now, at number one. The problem with a pumpernickel is you're not going to do a sandwich on a pumpernickel. Can't do you know, it. You could do a pumpernickel bagel with butter or something like that, but the pumpernickel is always going to be buttered down. And I really fell in love with my first loaf of pumpernickel at an Outback Steakhouse because Outback gives you the mini hot pumpernickel. That's right. Uh, and when I first, I'll never forget this, my first trip to Outback, I was like, I'm not eating that. My parents told me it was chocolate bread. So I heard the word chocolate. I said, okay. I ended up diving in. But it's not chocolate bread. No, but they knew I would eat it if I, they said it was chocolate bread. They, they probably shouldn't have said that and had me not eat it because then I wouldn't have been as fat as I am today. I'm gonna, I, that's what I was going to say. It's not like they were having you eat vegetables. You, yeah, eat vegetables or something healthy. I, I, don't, I think it was because I was complaining that I was starving until the food got there. I was going to be like a nuisance until we got the food. Gotcha. So it was to quiet me okay. down. Right. Uh, but I fell in love with it then. And every time I could see, you know, uh, there's a little uh, oated pumpernickel at Cheesecake Factory. And uh, several of the smaller restaurants like to put out a pumpernickel. And you give me a slice of butter on a pumpernickel, I'm all about it. Does a bagel count as a bread? Well, if it did, that would be number one always to me. Okay. So I'm going to say no. Okay. So a bagel doesn't count as a bread. So some of the options for bread, white bread. Sourdough. Sourdough, rye, pumpernickel. Does a cinnamon swirl or a cinnamon raisin count as a bread? Yeah, I think cinnamon raisin does. Does a babka count as a bread? Does it count as a bread? It's like a bread cake. It is a bread cake. I'll give it the bread. I'll rule bread. Okay, so I think I would have to go a Bobka one. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> I can live with that. It's tough because uh, there's no um, Jacksonville Jaguars of bread, if you will. Mm. Uh, unless it's just whole grain and you're eating it just to be healthy. Well, there are some really disgusting breads, like a manna bread. I don't even know what a manna bread is. I mean, it's just really dense and grainy. It's the real whole grain type of healthy, made from 
sprouts or something. I don't know. My mom That's eats it a lot. Disgusting. It's really horrendous. You know, and this is an old trick. Uh, my father's worked in delis his whole life. I worked at Subway for a long time. You know, the taste of a sandwich could really be made or braid, broken by, by the kind of bread it's on. An Italian? We haven't even brought up an Italian. Well, Italian's the classic, the staple, the New York Yankees of bread. You know what I we mean? We haven't brought up a French. A baguette. I think I would go maybe maybe Italian bread over the babka. Maybe we need to make this a poll question on Facebook and see if we can get a, you know voted on the bread. I love an Italian bread. I mean, anything on Italian bread is good. Anything. Like, Italian's versatile. You dip it in the red sauce. You dip it in Alfredo. You just butter it. You dip it in oil. You could do anything you want with an so Italian spongy. bread. So spongy. So spongy. Oh, it absorbs everything. So spongy. Oh. Does a garlic knot count in the bread category? I think it does. Wow. Well, then a garlic knot's very high. Of course it is. I had seven garlic knots yesterday alone. Wow. Seven. At the, uh, the, the family dinner. They'd ordered stuff from... An Italian restaurant, ironically, and yes. uh, they had they sent a bunch of garlic. It was like garlic knot twists. Oh boy, I was popping those things like skittles. Wow. Well, a if a garlic knot, but if a garlic knot's in the mix, then a bagel I think has to be in the mix. No, because a garlic knot's smaller, more used for bread. You're not going to cut a garlic knot open and put it stuff. You could dip it. A bagel is more like a holder. Maybe a bagel is though, because you know what? You're baking a sandwich on a bread. Every argument I'm making against a bagel doesn't make any sense because they value other breads. Like how about a roll? God, you know what? You're right. They're all breads. They're, They're all breads. breads. They're breads. I'll go bagel, bagel, then pumpernickel. Bagel one, a head of garlic knot. But it has to be of... a New York bagel. I'm not talking about a Thomas's bagel. Totally, totally agree. You know, no offense to I've those. had some bad bagels across the country. I have too. Not and, good. And and I know it's like an ongoing joke. It's not a joke. New York bagels are so much better than anything else. Yeah, and I don't say this with the New York bias because I think that a Chicago deep dish pizza can be equally as good as a New York slice, but there is... There's nothing in America I've tasted that is close to a New York bagel. I totally agree. I totally agree. But if this is the bread power rankings, I mean, we've got some real hard decisions to make. I'm, You know what's really sad and, and, and seriousness of this? This will be my thought process my entire ride home from work tonight. <laughs> I break down what I like the most. And I might have to go to Panera Bread, ironically, and just sit there and order a bunch of different breads. And sample them around. Do a taste test. I do a taste test. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Hey, we have a couple more weeks till the NFL draft. We might have to do something with breads. <laughs> might have to kill some time <laughs> in the, the sports abyss known as February. All right, coming up here next, Side B. Mraz has James Ward via the phone here in the Permission Granted podcast. All right, welcome into Side B of the Permission Granted podcast, the newly minted Permission Granted podcast on Play.it. Joining us, the associate producer of the DA show, James Jimmy Ward, as well as producer of Sunday Morning Football with DA, which just concluded its first season, James W. Ward. James, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, it's it's funny because the... You say that the new newly minted uh, Play Dot It permission granted podcast also contains an avatar with with our pictures on it now, right? Right. Well, this is what I, I wanted to get into this with you. First of all, it's avatar, not an avatar. Yeah, I, I misspoke. You're never one to misspeak, right? I am not. I, I know have... it's avatar. I've seen the movie. I know that's a T, not a D. Exactly. Well, thank you. Just speak correctly because, again, a lot more eyes and ears are on this Permission Granted podcast than we can have these slip-ups. <laughs> yeah, so so what do you think of the new picture that's on this Play.it for Permission Granted podcast? Well, I got to be honest. I look like I weigh about 400 pounds 
Well, James, you're starting to push 400 pounds the way you've been eating, big guy. I mean, uh, you know, I know the camera adds a few pounds, but you got to come to grips with reality. You're gaining weight. Yeah, there's no uh, – the picture doesn't do me any, any favors. Let's just leave it at that. And you, and you got something in your mouth. What are you eating in that picture? I, see, here's the thing. We took a bunch of pictures that day trying to come up with something funny, something goofy. And we did the whole, hey, Mraz likes to eat things, so I got a Twix from the candy machine here. But the problem is it doesn't look like a Twix. Like, it looks like I'm eating, like, somebody's pinky or something. Like, it just doesn't look right. Like, that didn't sell right. And not only that, I'm hunched over, and all you see is my gut in the tightest sweater imaginable. <laughs> yeah, so so you and I look enormous. I mean, Joe looks like he's, like, one of our kids. <laughs> <laughs> he does look tiny. DA's the only one that looks normal in it. He's just reading a book. Like, he's the only one that looks normal in it. And I guess that's rightfully so. Yeah, DA looks like DA. I look 300 pounds. You look like you've got something something in your mouth. And Joe looks like he's our teenage son. <laughs> that being said, you got to be proud about the Permission Granted podcast now because we look legit, right? Oh, yeah. It's a legit thing. It's it's no more, uh, you know, buried in, in the feet of the DA show. It's got its own thing. So hopefully people will continue to check it out. And uh, hopefully I will continue to be a part of it. I guess... Uh, my grievance has been heard because I've actually been on the Permission Granted podcast for the last, uh, I guess, the last three months. I've been on it pretty pretty regularly. Well, we are trying to be more conscious about that. Uh, DA and myself discussed that, and, and that's why I am giving you the phone call. And another thing I will say that, uh, you know, it's a good thing to have you on here is that you're done with the Sunday morning football now that the Super Bowl's over, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, run. no more Sunday, fo- Sunday morning football, but... It's it, it's funny because Da was you know happy obviously he likes doing the Sunday morning football show right but he was happy to have a weekend off right to get the back to back days I get that you know you want the five day work week yeah but I mean I don't get the weekends off right so. you just you get back you get back to still working Sundays but here's here's the thing James and I'm glad that this happened because unlike other shows you know other shows just get the you know the standard producer but Da now has had two separate shows on the network. The DA show, which I produced, you associate produce as well as Joe. But you got to actually be the producer of one of DA's shows, this being Sunday Morning Football, now for a full season. So we get to compare notes as far as what we think of DA as a host. Is that your dog growling? He's not growling. He's snoring. Your dog... I can't believe you heard that. He's like five feet away from me sleeping. That's a loud snore for a pooch. Yeah, it's a pug. He's got a, he's got a, a hard time breathing. Oh. Like his nose is like flat against his face. Who has worse sleep apnea, Schwartz or your dog? Uh, probably close. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, getting back to this, I want to hear. Uh, you know, what are the pros and cons you found producing for DA with him as a host? What did he annoy you with the most, and what did you like about producing for him the most? Well, for me, the best part of it was as the season got going early on in the season we had some issues with guests and it was always like you know friday what are we doing towards the end of the year we had some really good luck with some guests um we actually had two of the hall of fame finalists on the weekend of the hall of fame announcement uh we had boomer esiason on a couple times that must have been a very hard get since he works in the building that must have been very difficult that was was probably one of the the most biggest milestones of my life was getting boomer to come on As, as far as the the hardest thing, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, come on, let's be honest. You know, the DA's name behind it. There's got to be some nuances that will annoy you with the. I mean, we've all had our annoyances with the. Nothing annoyed you on Sunday morning football. It's, it's he didn't he didn't hours. crack the whip like he used to on me and Kenny on the overnight. 
No, it's two hours, man. If you if you come in prepared, two hours it just it just goes by very quickly. I'll tell you something that's that's very interesting that I noticed about Da that I've never noticed before. He goes into the studio and he immediately starts like cleaning up and like picking up papers and like throwing stuff away. Like he just has to make sure that the workspace that he's going to be sitting in before the show is nice and organized. I'm not sure if you see that because oh. obviously during the week. With with Gottlieb, it's relatively organized because of the TV show. But on the weekend, it's sort of no, you know, no holes barred. But he'll walk in and he'll just, you know, there's like two pieces of loose paper. Those are going in the garbage. Like just cleaning up as he goes. <laughs> it's, it's a sight to be seen. Well, listen, and uh, we we could discuss this as our listeners may or may not know. Da loves a clean working space, and you're right. I can only imagine on the weekend. The weekend that place is probably a pigsty when he walks in first thing in the morning. I get that. And yes, Doug, because it's on TV, keeps it relatively clean. But Da will still come in, and it's like Da makes up things that he has to clean. You know what I mean? Oh, I've I've got a, a very very juicy tidbit that I have not even told Da about yet. So with this, this? breaking. Breaking news here on the Permission Granted podcast. Are you I, ready for this? I love this. This is something Joe would not bring to the table. So what do we got? So Jody Mack does a Saturday and a Sunday show on CBS Sports Radio. Okay. Jody gets in nice and early on Saturdays, and he puts together a cheat sheet, topics, just stuff, writes down stuff he wants to talk about. Occasionally on Saturdays, he won't get all the way through. So he'll put his sheet off to the side uh, uh, in the studio because he's going to be back in 12 hours. He doesn't have like a locker or an office or anything. So he just kind of pushes it off to the side and, you know, I'll, he's going to get to it on sun, Sunday afternoon when he hosts again. The last three weeks of the season, he came in and his show sheet was no longer there. Oh boy. DA on Sunday morning has to be. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking, but we never, it was never proved and we never saw it, but he, I've, once that happened, I noticed DA kind of cleaning up and straightening up and getting rid of some of the loose papers. So the the second to last Sunday, mm-hmm. underneath Jody's show sheet, he wrote a sign that said, do not throw out or else punishment by death or something along those lines oh, boy. on top of it. And it was there. So I don't know if that stopped DA from, from cleaning it incessantly or, wow. or if he didn't see it. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask DA about this. And and he's very big on this. You know what? And speaking of this juicy tidbit, we did that whole full house of pancakes in San Francisco deal with a lot of the funny nuances, James. There was a moment on the Thursday of Radio Row Week where basically DA's cleanliness brought me to an utter embarrassing moment. Okay? Oh uh oh. So we would be up there, Tiki and Tierney would do um, their show from there, and Amy and Gio and Jones would be on the uh, the CBS Sports Radio platform before we got there as well, taping interviews for their shows um, later on or the next day. And basically, you know, there there were, you know, empty cups. There was one day there was a banana peel. There was papers. The, basically, the place was becoming a pigsty, uh, pigsty, and there was a small overflown garbage by where Gottlieb and Boomer and Carton set up was. And finally, DA had had enough on Thursday. He goes, this is embarrassing. We're bringing guests up here. You got to clean this up. You got to find me a garbage. He goes, go. There's a help desk when you first walk in the media center. Go ask them if they could help you get a garbage. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So now, so now on top of worrying about guests, this guy basically has me playing garbage, man. So I go up to the help desk, and nobody there is any help at the help desk, ironically. They can't figure out anything. Right, that's I, usually par for the course. And knowing how DA is with this cleanliness, like, he's not going to take me coming back going, oh, there's no garbage here or whatever. Like, he's going to make me find a way. 
there is a ginormous, gigantic, whatever the word is, garbage can on wheels that you would see in like a high school. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Right, like a wheeling kind of dumpster right. type thing. And and I mean, like the thing is as tall as me. So now I see this thing. It's on the outside of the CBS Sports arc. And if you were going down Radio Row, there's like a giant arc that said CBS Sports. And you'd walk in and there'd be 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston with a big TV setup. And then all these small tables with all the local stations basically scattered throughout before you finally got to our setup. Okay? So now I have to take this thing. I look at it. I go, this is my only option here. I have to now wheel this through the arc. Basically, it's loud. The wheels are screeching. And I'm basically, you know, trying to avoid bumping into all these tables. And all I'm getting is me, overweight, my shirt and muffin top tucked in, pushing this garbage can through as every radio station is looking at me like, what is this slob doing? And then I rock. stains, right? You're right. getting sweaty just doing it. Right. And it's just embarrassing because it's not like I'm carrying a big, like I'm carrying this big garbage pail. <laughs> and finally, I wheel it up to, you know, where DA's, where, where DA was set up. And he was, he couldn't have been happier. It was as if like he was having his firstborn kid. He was so happy to see that I wheeled this garbage can, but didn't give me any credit to how embarrassing that was that I just had to wheel this garbage can through. And immediately he's, and it was like he overdid it. He started throwing out things that he didn't even have to be thrown out just because he was obsessed with the fact that we had this garbage can there. And then in the garbage can, it was like, you know how a garbage would attract flies? This was attracting everybody else now to come back to us. They're like, oh, look, there's a garbage. Everybody else was cleaning up into it. And we became the big dumpster of a stage on Thursday. Right. And instead of welcoming, welcoming guests to like a half-filled little, little uh, you know, garbage can you're welcoming guests to a dumpster how does that work it's disgusting it was disgusting uh, eventually somebody from the Masconi center wheeled it out but i got no credit from da there and you know what it's good to see that he is likely the one that cost jody mack his show sheets and he's the one who cost me the embarrassment of wheeling a garbage can through radio row all because yeah. of his cleanliness so i think that's our negative we found james in producing for he's he's too clean he's too uh, attentive to the the minute details so instead of big words. instead of you know worrying about yeah could you, were you able to get that or do I need to break it down for you I think we're okay there I figured it out <laughs> In, instead of worrying about the beginning of the show which I'm not going to say he doesn't have that handle he's picking up every loose piece of paper in sight so that his I, it must do something it must like cleanse his brain in addition to cleansing the, the the desk. I think that's the way to look at it. It's brain cleansing. And with that, James, we have reached our limit here on Side B, the Permission Granted podcast. Before we get in any further trouble with DA calling him a clean freak, I think we should end the discussion now. <laughs> hey, there are worse things to be called than a clean freak. We should all be so lucky. Right, like fat slob, like I've gotten called before. <laughs> all right, James. Well, you can follow James on Twitter. Uh, James, give your Twitter plug. James Ward, CBS. You can follow me at CBS. Uh, we only got 29 more Sundays to go until the next NFL Sunday, so uh, keep crossing those off the list and enjoy this one coming up. Yeah, uh, I'll be at work, so nothing changes for me. But I won't have a I won't have a Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night game to watch, which is always upsetting. Always upsetting, but we'll take away and we'll get there. Uh, that's gonna do it for the PGP. Take care, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.